Welcome back to Riftwalkers, part two of our three-part pilot. If you're enjoying the show so far, check out our website, flashfancypodcast.com, for some art and short stories where you can learn more about the world the podcast takes place in. If you want to connect with the cast and other fans, join our Discord channel. There's a link in the episode description. Thanks again, and here's Riftwalkers, episode two. Last time on Riftwalkers... The party ventured through the rift itself and emerged into a new world. Fighting a creature known to the locals as an elf, it tore apart one of their companions and caused them to flee, unwittingly stumbling into a local man who seemed startled, even afraid of their presence. Before they could garner any information from him, he was shot by Commander Ignalus of the Rift Wardens, who, though entering the rift only two and a half years before, as he brought them to the relative safety of the Yellowford Vale, it seemed he had aged much more than that. Now, as night settles upon the Vale, and the four of you have traveled with Ignalus's detachment to the edges of the city of Yellowford, you see the sorry shape that it truly is in. There is a vast expanse of barren land that seems to have been burned down all around the city in a large ring, and the trees of which harvested and formed into a large palisade, barring your entrance. Ignalus is able to secure passage through, and as the rest of you are swept up with the detachment and head inside, you travel through what looks like a shell of a city, a skeleton even. There are simply wooden frames of structures, started, half-built, and then forgotten, and only as you travel more centrally to the city center itself are there actually completed structures. It seems that whatever projects were going on here either ran out of supplies or something happened to the workers. In the city center, however, there to meet you and Ignalus's detachment are four figures standing by a large obelisk with a dish of flames on top of it. Now, one of these steps forward, a rather upright gentleman wearing heavy furs with a thick, twirled mustache and a balding head of almost yellow blonde hair. He steps forward, bows before the commander, and then the commander addresses the four of you as he pulls you to the front. Says, this is Maya Sidment. You will address him as your excellency or nothing. And uh, the mayor actually steps forward and he goes, no, Ignalus, there's really no need for that. I want to do away with all these formalities. Yellowford has had enough hardships so far. What's the reason to still dabble in these archaic practices? We can all be friends. And he steps forward and extends his hand to shake uh, Lucas, who's he's nearest to. Luca extends his and, and shakes it. My fellow man, what's your name? Luca. Uh, that is what they called me in the old world, and here I believe it serves me well. Astute, yes. He turns to the blue-skinned moon elf beside him. And you, my fair friend. I am Lyrian. Lyrian. A strong name. Uh, looking upward at Vamak and say, ah, the mountain folk. What do they call you? I am Vamak. A strong name indeed. And lastly, turning to the well-armed and armored Reese. And I believe I've heard of you. You are Lieutenant Reese, no? 
That is correct. I, I think I observed you a number of times before going through the rift myself. But but please, we, we it is late, and I'm sure you are travel-weary, hungry, thirsty. Come, follow me to the longhouse, and we will sup. And he, he turns on his heels. He, the other three people with him, who seem to be advisors of sorts, follow along. Egnalus grunts, turns toward his detachment, barks a few orders, and then follows the mayor as well. Reese follows. As does Luca, who is actually significantly happier with this mayor than he is with Ignalus. Uh Lyrian is also walking, and he he actually goes off to the side a little bit with Reese and kind of whispers to him, I feel like something's not right here. Yes, I... He spoke of trouble here. I, I hope we can talk with him about that over dinner. Very well. He continues walking. Does Vamok also oh, follow? Yes, Vamok follows. No, Vamok just kind of staring there with a uh, a blank look on his face. And Noah, <laughs> how tall is Vamok? Seven and a half feet. Okay, I'm nice. just curious. <laughs> yeah, you, most people have to look up at Vamok. Once inside the longhouse, this seems to be the most lavish of the buildings that you've seen so far. It is sizable. There are grand wooden pillars running the length of the hall until it comes to a dais at the end where a sort of semicircle of five wooden thrones have been arrayed. Running almost the entire length of the hall is a grand fire pit that's still smoldering with bits of a once larger log fire. There are benches set out on the side of the fire pit where it seems one may lounge and large chandeliers of simple construction hang from the ceiling with dozens of candles burning in the night. Sidmund goes to one of the benches, and the his attendants follow suit. As they all sit down, Ignalus, on the other side of the fire pit from him, takes a seat, and Sidmund, with a big flashing smile, beckons the four of you to take seats as well. Luca goes right ahead, sits down next to the mayor. Yeah, right next to the mayor. And he's, uh, Sidman, I must say, your welcome has made this rather confusing journey uh, much better. But I'm surprised by the condition of Villaford. What's happened here? I would surely hope so that your spirits would be brightened. And please, please, I, I would not want to so touch on such a dour subject at dinner. Might we eat first and... Share in a bit of revelry before we get into more business matters. And you see him kind of actually do an insight check for me. Sure. Four. <laughs> Even with such a low roll, you, you see him tense up just a little bit as you bring up other subjects. Luca, you know, seems reasonable enough and I don't want to talk about uh, unfavorable things over dinner. So it's like, very well, then thank you for your invitation. So not 10 seconds later, there are some more attendants that come out of the back rooms at the end of this hall, bringing platters for each one of you with an array of vegetables and meats and berries and all sorts of food that, at least in the Riftwalker camp, you were definitely not accustomed to. And uh, everyone else starts digging in. Mm, yeah, digging in. Scrumptious. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Vamok, you know, Vamok's not letting anything show on the outside. He's got to be very stoic at all times. But, but those are his inner thoughts. But like, ooh, the rotisserie chicken? Mm, 
That is that that is on point. He loves it. It's the spot. Reese is just kind of sitting there watching everyone else eat. He doesn't really want to take his mask off to eat because that would kind of hurt everyone. So he's just kind of watching everyone a little awkwardly and not doing anything with his food. Instead, he uh, he turns to Ignalus, who he purposely sat down next to and just kind of looking at him says, Ignalus, I have to ask, how long have you been here? It, it's been only two, maybe two and a half years since you went through in the old world. Ignalus pauses after he swallows a bit of food and he looks at you, a rather sour expression on his face. And he says, it was one of the first things that we discovered that time moves a bit differently on this side of the rift. When we could predict when the next groups would come through, they always came through in different spots than we had planned on. Nothing was certain. Nothing was as it should have been. You say two and a half years have passed since I left? I'll tell you what, it's been 25 in this God's damned world. And Reese is kind of almost visibly taken aback. 25 years. Why do you think the city lies in shambles? That we're all a bunch of lazy bastards that never got around to it? No, it's because the supplies stopped coming. It's because the Rift Wardens abandoned us. We sent out new expeditions very regularly. Every time that the Rift would come up, we had one in the schedule. It would go through. Really? 25 years? Yes, of course. The Rift is temperamental. We know that. We've always known that. Hopefully we can sort out some of these issues. The, the mayor had spoken previously of issues in Yellowford. Are those all directly related to the sporadic nature of help coming through, or other things? I don't wish to talk to you anymore. And he turns back to his plate, and he starts eating again. <laughs> Alright, Reese kind of just accepts that and starts staring at people. <laughs> well, as Reese looks around, he sees... That Vamak had been looking at him and Ignalus the whole time they were talking, and as soon as they make eye contact, Vamak just turns back to his plate, keeps eating. So as dinner finishes up and your plates are cleared by more attendants, Ignalus excuses himself and leaves the longhouse, and Mayor Sidmund says, I'll be going to my quarters now, but I'll leave my attendant Relier to guide you to your rooms. And he gives a curt bow and then leaves. And a stout dwarf addressed as Relier, a beardless chap he is, beckons you to follow him down a hallway at the terminal end of the longhouse. Reese kind of makes a joke with him. <laughs> Don't think I've ever met a dwarf without a beard. Well, you'd also say you'd never met a dwarf with a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> never in my life. Never in my life. <laughs> uh, no, I know, the Scot Scotland doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but does it in the old world? <laughs> uh, in the old world. No, Relier says, very true. However, you would also say that you never met a dwarf that talked like I do, so if you can understand that, I understand you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he keeps on walking. <laughs> wow, that was an interesting voice. Um, and <laughs> so... Does anyone else have any remarks to make about the dwarf, <laughs> the beardless dwarf? Okay, um, Luca goes up to the beardless dwarf and he says, I have a question about dwarves, a companion of ours who was lost uh, shortly after we arrived. Showed remarkable strength and force in, uh, in, just, in such a compact body. Are all of you like that? 
the dwarf is a bit taken aback by this comment. <laughs> no, th- there's a reason for this. I'm setting up. I've already set up that Luca was totally isolated in a si- kingdom of humans. I, I know. It's nuts yeah, about it, dwar- or nuts about bodies. N- so. Yeah, we we all get oh, that. We know he's it's nuts weird, about bodies, but it's his less. <laughs> but um, the, regardless, Relier is still a bit taken aback, and he's like, "You haven't seen many dwarves, have you?" No. Um, well. If you wouldn't mind, I think that's a bit of an intrusive question, so I'm just going to ignore it. Um, if you'll follow me, please, I'm going to show you to your rooms. We have two set aside for you. One for, you know, two of you and one for the other two, if that wasn't hard to understand. Um, if you need anything, there's a little bell at the end of the hallway, and he kind of shows you and goes, ding, ding, ding. You can ring that, and an attendant like myself or another will come and find you and bring you whatever you desire. Um, please don't ring it too often or too late at night. We also require sleep. Speaking of which, it's very late and I like to go to bed. Is there anything else you need? No. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. And (laughs) Relier kind of just scurries out of that hallway. And immediately Reese rings the bell. (laughs) (laughs) Relier didn't even get around the corner and like just backs up around it and he goes yes what can I do for you lieutenant I apologize you just did scurry off so quickly what should we expect in the morning are we to be up early to meet with the mayor or I believe so yes the mayor would like to see you very well that is all you you may rest okay thank you he says with a yawn and goes away alright well I for one don't think I'm going to bed I think something's going on here, and I'd like to have a word with the mayor. The mayor already went to bed. And? He is asleep. That does not mean that he cannot be woken, Vamak. It would be rather rude to wake him. Let us speak with him in the morning. There is nothing that could stop us from determining what happened here. And Reese just kind of waves his hand a little bit at at Luca, and he he, he does go to his room for now, but he's going to wait until he can here if the others go to their rooms. Because this gigantic guy in a bunch of armor is so sneaky. (laughs) So Lyrian kind of thinking to himself that he agrees that with Vamak and Luca that it it might be best to wait. I'll go with Reese and make sure that he does not disturb the mayor's rest. So then Vamak and Luca get the other room. Yep. Okay. An hour passes. Does anything of import happen between the four of you? Vamak is snoozing. Luca is in the corner. He's actually um, still kind of focused on the strength of dwarves, and you see him sketching a couple things out. Um, kind of that classic Leonardo da Vinci of the guy, like with his le- arm and legs, is doing that, but uh, with a dwarf, so it's much smaller. You hear a slight stirring from the bed beside you, and you hear Vamak's voice. He says, Luca, what are you doing? Well, to be honest, I'm. Uh, pondering how something could have so much strength in such a small body. I mean, one like you, for example, it's obvious. I'm sure you could rip this place off of its foundations. But Otis jumped up that ramp like he was wearing nothing. He had twice as much as I was carrying, and yet he could move that quickly. I barely hopped into the rift. I really just more fell. It's an incredible specimen. Very interesting. May I see what you are drawing? 
Yeah, so I show him a little sketchbook, and it's it's like it's one and a long line of different kind of sketches broken down into body parts, and most of it's human. Uh, the older part is. But this is towards the end of the book, and there's other animals and other species, including one of a Goliath. As Zamak holds uh, this little booklet in his hand, he closes the book and says, mm, Very interesting. Now I will go to sleep. And he takes the book and he, like, puts it underneath him. And he says, This scratching was bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he and then he just, like, <laughs> and is out like a light. Uh, Luca takes the hint. Blow candle thing, light lamp thing, turns that off, and he too goes to sleep. Lyrian is just sitting in a chair near the door, meditating. Reese had, pretty much for the past hour, he's been very unsettled. He was sitting on his bed, kind of tapping his foot. He did a little bit of pacing, and then eventually he just... Lyrian, don't tell me that something doesn't seem out of place here. Lyrian, with his eyes still closed, I already shared that I too believe that something strange is going on here. And unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to get a straight answer unless we go about things our own way. The mayor has been avoiding questions. Ignalus has been avoiding questions. I think there's something a little bit deeper in it than works here. And I can't help but keep feeling we need to go talk with the mayor now, tonight. Reese, I trust you. And if you feel so strongly to do this thing, I will support you. You're my lieutenant in this endeavor. And you have my respect and friendship. Excellent. And then he kind of spries up to his feet and creaks open the door. Is it a loud door or is it a soft door? It's well oiled. Very well. And he uh, slowly opens the door. All right. I believe you can be a little more quiet than I can going down this hall. I need you to go down and check and see if there's anyone in the great hall right now. If there isn't, we can make our way across down to the mayor's quarters. Very well. Do a stealth check, please. I also would like to try to cast a spell. Which one? Pass without trace. Okay, so that'll affect both you and Reese. Yes. What does that do? It gives a plus 10 to stealth checks. For people with giant armor who aren't very sneaky. (laughs) Uh, That's a 23. Lyrian is able to move down the hallway completely silently. And as you step into the grand hall of the longhouse, you see that the chandeliers have been snuffed out but that there is still the smoldering embers of the fire pit giving a faint orange eerie flickering light to the hall and the great pillars casting shadows everywhere it's clear i motioned reese to come okay so then brett do a stealth check all right with the plus 10 that's gonna be a 19 nope 20 sorry 20 great so you are able to move just as quietly as Lyrian, almost. And as the two of you enter that main hall, there's really only two other passages that you could go down. One being the door you came in at the other end of the hall. And the other, another little branch similar to the one that you were led down. Okay. Maurice also takes a quick look around, sees that it's clear, and then he starts heading towards the hallway, which must lead towards the mayor's quarters. Lyrian is following Reese. So as you two are moving down this little branch, there are a few smaller doors that you could try, but then at the terminal end of this hallway, there is a set of double doors that are gilded in red and gold. Lyrian looks to Reese and says, this must be the place. I would imagine so. Now, I suspect he'll be the only one there, but 
I also suspect there's guards, attendants, someone in these neighboring rooms, so it must still be quiet. And he goes up and kind of positions himself on one door. Out of the double doors? Out of the double door. So he takes the right door. There is a visible lock. Like a padlock kind of deal, or? No, like a door lock. Uh, yeah, I, I figured it was probably more of something like that. You couldn't <laughs> open it from the outside. <laughs> Seeing this uh, this lock, he turns to Reese. It's probably locked. Why don't we try the handle? Lyrian goes for it. It's locked. So Reese, uh, kind of taking a little bit of a look around, making sure it wasn't too loud. One second, my friend. And in a flash, he disappears. And then from the other side... The door opens. <laughs> Little misty step action. I'm digging it. Come along, my friend. And Reese attempts to sneakily go up to the bed. Or I guess he, he didn't really look around when he first appeared, but now that he's leading Lyrian in, what does he observe in the room? So you see a very large poster bed with vibrant furs laid out upon it. There are small end tables flanking either side of it, and then an array of bookshelves, countertops and dressers kind of running along the edge of the room. There are also some curtains that seem to lead to further rooms in the back, but they are closed. Most notably, there is a large desk that still has a single candle burning upon it, the only source of light in the room, in fact, that seems to have been ripped apart, opened, all the drawers and their contents spilled on the floor around it and atop it. As... Lyrian is following Reese through the door. He kind of whispers to, to Reese, You know, you really need to teach me that trick sometime. As he sees the room has been ransacked, he starts to search around to see if there's something of import. And just to be clear, it's just the desk. Everything else is still immaculately placed, as it were. Why don't you do an investigation check? And then, Reese, are you doing anything in the meantime? Yeah, so he instinctively drew his greatsword off of his back, but while Lyrian's kind of checking out this front room, he's just going to go and kind of brush the curtains back to see if there's anything back there, or anyone. Okay, yeah, as you look back there, it seems it's like a lavatory, the one that you were looking in, and then Reese do a perception check, and as you're doing that, Lyrian, you find a few different sets of letters that were seeming to be arranged on the desk in some order. And as you kind of just skim through their contents, you see that they were deemed to somehow travel back to the old world. And the subject matter grows more dire as the mayor outlines the hardships that Yellowford has undergone. And it isn't until the end, however, that you notice that the signature on all of these letters is not from Mayor Sidmund but a different individual. And Reese, what'd you get on the perception check? 18. All right. At that point in time, both of you hear a slight from behind you as if a sword were drawn from a scabbard. Back down the hall and around the corner and down the other hall to where Luca and Vamok slumber. Did Luca doze off pretty well? Yeah, I mean, he has no problem falling asleep, so he's probably pretty well asleep. Okay, then... He wakes up with a knife to the jugular and dies. <laughs> that sends the tale of Luca, the well, trusting idiot. It's good that this roll was as horrendously low as it was. The door, as it opens, kind of is pulled shut by a bit of a draft and slams rather loudly, knocking a candle off of a small table inside your room. And you hear footsteps and someone scrambling to 
grab this candle and put it back where it was. So I, I start awake, you know, classic adventure story, start awake, pulling out the dagger. Um, I actually don't have the dagger on me. I sleep like a normal person and just, you know, clothing. So unarmed and uh, unarmored at the moment. You know, I start awake. I see someone, apparently. You see a individual with a long beard, about six and a half feet tall, in heavy furs, carrying a large axe at his side, scrambling to pick up a candle. I take the time it would be required to pick up said candle to pick up a sword. Okay. Um, and so I, you know, I, I reach over towards the side of the bed. You know, my stuff is just right next to me. I grab out my rapier and I, I point it right at him. I don't know who it is. I don't think they mean well, but I just, Luca does just say, who are you? And what are you doing here? And at that, this intruder sort of startles and then turns towards you and then raises the axe above his head. And as he does that, a bolt of energy flies through the room and I guess I have to roll to see if it hits him square in the chest. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, that was like 24. That hits? All right, it hits him square in the <laughs> chest. <laughs> Dealing five damage, five force damage, and knocking him 10 feet away. Wow, nice. So that man is propelled off his feet into the door, slammed against his back, and then collapses onto his knees and then his face. He kind of groans and then whoa, starts whoa, to stand. Whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. As he goes onto his knees... A second bolt of energy <laughs> comes for his face. Not 20! And it smashes into him, dealing 18 force damage, slamming him back into the door again. So the back of his head collides into the door again, and you hear this crunch, and his eyes kind of roll back in his head for a moment, and then he falls forward, coughs out some blood. There's a bit of a blood splat on the door behind him and then he picks up his axe everyone roll initiative wow well i just want to give props to this guy real quick that's dedicated to his job (laughs) yeah for real wow 19 that was seven for vamok nine for reese 22 for lyrian all right it will go the assassin in vamok and luca's room then it will go a player and it will go another player Then it will go the assassin in the mayor's room, and then it will go the last two players. So, this barbarian-esque man with the axe attempts to charge forward and rolls a critical fail. That's what's called a concussion, son! (laughs) And as he kind of swings the axe at Luca, he falls onto one knee, and the axe just, like, gets stuck in one of the legs of the bed. And he hits the floor rather hard and unceremoniously and takes five damage. Hard fall. Okay, who's next? I think we should let the two whose assassin has not yet acted. Yeah. Um, Reese can go. So with his greatsword already drawn, you said we heard the shing from behind us? Yes. All right. So Reese peeking behind the curtain, you know, sees the lavatory, and then he hears the shing, and he whips his head around. Okay, and you see a figure decked out in black leathers and a cowl and hood pulled over their face, wielding a short sword. Okay. Uh, Reese charges him um, and attempts to attack. Ooh, nat 20! <laughs> okay. We got the nat 20s flowing, boys. I know, seriously. <laughs> so you said max on one damage and then add and on then roll for another it. damage. Yeah. Okay. 
And does the max damage, like, does each set include the additional modifier that we do, or you just add that on once at the end? I believe you add that on once at the end, because normally you roll twice. And then, and then you add it on. Okay. Um, so that's going to be 23 damage. Okay. I'd like you to designate a part of the body for me. Let's go for the right leg. Your sword is kind of down, and as you run forward and slash upward, you chop this person's leg off right below the knee, spraying blood all over the mayor's bed and yourself, and they clatter onto the floor with a high-pitched shrill. And then, you know, pulling back his greatsword, Reese gets another attack. Is this this man considered helpless now? No, they are not helpless. And it's a woman. Oh, all right. Well, he's going to just attack again. So reeling his greatsword back, seeing the severed limb fly off into the dark, Reese raises his greatsword once again and attacks. Okay. That's going to be 23. That hits. Dealing nine damage. You bring your greatsword down, and the assassin rolls out of the way, but you're still able to slice into her as she does so, causing her to bleed a bit more. Okay. Lyrian, I assume? Yes. Lyrian, seeing this, draws his swords and goes to try to finish the job. That was a critical fail. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. So you pull one sword out of its sheath, but as you're trying to pull the other one, it kind of gets stuck, and it takes a little little oomph to get it out, and as you do so, you accidentally cut yourself for four damage. Yay. <laughs> and that'll be the end of your turn. All right. It is the assassin's turn. She is on the ground. She just rolled away from Reese, and she completely has dropped her short sword and any pretense of trying to attack him in a traditional sense. So she whips out a trio of throwing knives and tosses them in Reese's direction. Does a nat 20 hit? No, that does not. (laughs) So, okay. Each of those knives go into you, just one right after the other, hitting all the best spots in your armor for 17 damage. Total? Yes. Okay, that is a minor wound. Okay, you are bleeding slightly. You will take an extra quarter damage in the future until that is treated. Okay. And then she continues to roll and tries to stand on the other side of the room. That's the end of her turn. Okay, is it the other two players? It is. Alrighty. Luca, would you like to uh, do a little yeah. stabby stab? Luca would like to do a little stabby stab. So with giant barbarian dude with brain leaking out on the ground, Luca um, moves in quickly and is going to try to end him, just stab him like, straight through the back of the neck. Okay. Hopefully he will have success. Do I have advantage because he's lying on the ground? Yes, I'll give you advantage. <laughs> uh, does a 21 hit? It does. Excellent. In that case, take these four. Man, I should have asked for advantage. She was on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. But this guy's also concussed. I mean, I guess she's missing a leg. Hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) No, the concussion, that's the real thing. The leg thing, no trauma. (laughs) She's fine. No trauma. Um, Dealing 25 damage. Finish him off. So after he, you know bashed into the door twice disoriented he fell Luca just stands up behind very quickly stabs right through the back of the neck severing his spine uh, with a surgical precision knowing exactly where it hit to just end his life instantly the guy falls limp as he collapses he's just a heap on the ground now for all intents and purposes Luca and Vamok are out of the encounter 
Okay, Lyrian. I, I feel like Lyrian's gonna go. Okay, Lyrian. As he, he, you know, he's trying to withdraw his other sword. He's like, "Oh darn! I know I, I should use these more." And uh, he gets the other one out, and then he goes to give a quick stab to the lady that just got up. All right, twelve. That is a miss. She's standing now up against the wall, and she kind of rolls horizontally. You could say to sidestep your attack. Is she to the right or left of Lyrian? She's now to your right. Okay. After missing with the stab with his left sword, Lyrian goes for a slash with his right hand. Okay. 24. That hits. 13 damage. Okay. Finish her off. After seeing her quickly jump to the side, Lyrian is just thinking to himself, dang it. And he gives a quick extension of his right arm to slash her across the back and have her tumble to the floor. Yeah, as she sort of moves out of your first stab, she didn't anticipate your other sword, and you're able to slice her across the back right through her armor that's quickly painted red as she falls to the ground in a heap. She squirms for just a second and then breathes her last breath. All right, the encounter is over for everyone. Without missing a beat, Vamak goes to the body of the assassin that came into his room, and he starts looking perhaps for some sort of uh, a ring or a pendant or something to signify who this guy might be working for or, you know, any sort of identifier, if he's part of a larger thing or if he's just some thug that was hired. You don't find any sort of jewelry, but you do find tucked inside his breeches a crumpled up letter. And that letter has five lines written, each describing the four of you and Otis. Vamak quickly, uh, he quickly pockets it, pockets the letter. He says to Luca, get your things. We are leaving. And then he, he like looks out the door and sees if anybody else is out there. It seems like the coast is clear for now. Just hold on one moment. And you see him, he's like looking at this guy's eyes. Um, and, you know, he's just kind of like examining his head, uh, particularly where his head got smashed in. But after he does a very cursory examination, he, is, he looks at the guy's eyes and he looks at his head, just kind of checking it out. And yeah. then he grabs his stuff. Okay. Because I was about to say, Vermont is like, we ain't got time for this. <laughs> um, I'm going to award Luca a point of inspiration for acting very much in character. Our thoughts flash over to Lyrian and Reese real quick. Okay. Reese pulls all three throwing knives out of his chest at once, and the wounds just kind of seem to heal up of their own accord, and he takes a deep breath. <sighs> Lyrian, did you find anything? Uh, yes, I, I found these papers uh, on, on the desk. Let me see. Over here. And Reese goes with him. If you look here at these papers, you, you notice that they're all signed by this man and not our mayor. Huh. Very interesting. All right, and and Reese takes them. He folds up as many of the papers as he can and tucks them into his um into his jacket. We should meet up with the others. Let's go. There seemed to be a division in the government here. The letters spoke of a split. A split? You mean people left? Yes. It, I'm not quite sure why, though. Uh, very well. We'll have to do some investigating. But as I thought, everything is not right here. And he begins walking out towards the door. Do you both head to a different door, like in the hallway, or are you going back to the main hall or where your bedchambers are? Reese's main concern right now is to meet up with the others, so he's heading up back towards the Great Hall. And did Luca and Vamak, were you heading toward the Great Hall as well? Uh, Yeah, we were heading out to try to find the other. T- I'm assuming you guys checked our room because we didn't tell you we left. 
Yeah, we, we walked out, we checked their room, we saw nothing, and we headed toward the Great Hall, thinking we might find them near the mayor's room, where they should not have gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you all meet up in the main hall, looking at each other from opposite sides, you see three figures step out of the dark and into the faint light cast around by the smoldering fire pit. Immediately, Luca pulls out his rapier, remembering the guy who just tried to axe him. They seem to be dressed more in the fashion of the assassin that had gone after Lyrian and Reese in tight-fitting leathers and cowls and hoods. The one standing in the middle of the trio steps forward, pointing a short sword at the group. And then, from behind, you hear the slightest whistle of wind, and one of them falls in half, cut down from the shoulder to the waist blood spurting over the other two as they hurriedly turn around the one that had been pointing the sword at you is impaled by a lengthy sword which is then ripped out disemboweling him the guts of which fall into the smoldering fire and the body follows shortly after the last assassin leaps toward the darkness where these flashes of sword and steel are coming from and is quickly felled as they disappear into the dark and then only their head comes rolling out toward you in you know the classic way except for this isn't the head of a loved one this is in fact the head of someone we don't care about so he just kind of kick it away out of the darkness steps a figure in very simple plain clothes a threadbare tunic and pants a leather belt and honestly nothing more holding a very long curved sword As he puts it back across his back, he pushes a strand of hair out of his face and says, We have been expecting you. Please, we must leave Yellowford at once. The mark just looks at him and says, Very well, please lead the way. If you trust me, I will introduce myself later. I don't trust you, but you don't seem to want me dead either, so. The enemy of our enemies, as it were. And by this point, Reese has already gone up to where this unknown figure was and just kind of looks behind him. Well, come on. Okay. This man leads you out of the longhouse and then just straight westward out of Yellowford. As you pass through the built parts of town that then fade into the unbuilt parts of town and then the crumbling skeleton parts of town to the palisade itself and the large gate that stands there. It's open, just a crack, and you see that the guards are nowhere to be found except there are considerably sized puddles of blood where maybe a post used to stand. And this figure leads you outside and just straight up runs, like full-on sprints for a half hour straight. If you're going to keep up with him, you'll need to do athletics checks, please. Luca is not going to keep up with him. Are we in a forest? Yes. Then I there's something that I can do for being in my favorite terrain. I don't remember. Well, the mock rolled a seventeen. Okay, um, twenty three for Reese. Not twenty. So, <laughs> you guys know when I said that Luca wasn't going to keep up. That's that's because he got a a, a three. <laughs> so by the time you reach almost the most westward part of the Yellowford Vale, where there are once again these jagged cliffs and mountains. And you come upon this large crevice, sort of in a triangular shape going upwards. This man stops and turns. Reese, Vamok, and Lyrian have kept pace incredibly well. 
and then maybe a minute later, Luca comes huffing and puffing out of the forest and finally just like, <laughs> I want to say collapses, but. Oh, you can say collapses. <laughs> Luca is good at certain things. Sprinting for 30 minutes is not one of them. Uh, Lyrian looks at Luca and says, we must work on your stamina, my friend. Well, to be honest, I don't quite see the need to run this fast, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So the this man that's led you this way, he looks at the four of you and he says, Thank you for believing in me, first and foremost. My name is Wulin. I am the leader of a band that decided long ago that Yellowford was no longer safe for those that still sought the original objective of the Rift Wardens. I can explain a bit more tomorrow of our dire situation, but for now, you must rest. Welcome. And he turns and points behind him to this large, like I said, crevice, where you actually start seeing some people filter out watching you. He says, welcome to the Fang. <laughs>